0: Hi, everyone. I'm Henry DeVries. Welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Very special topic about colleges and universities. Is that a place you should be speaking with? Should you be partnering with? So, we have one of our indie books authors with us today to give us the inside scoop on that. Uh, but before we do, we'd like to introduce our authors. We call it the Author Roll Call and would like to hear where you're from, uh, what's the title of your book, your name of course, and any brief thought you had to share. So let's start with uh, Dean Menudos here. How about Dean and then Mark and
1: uh, Laura? So I live in uh, the Exton, Pennsylvania area, so just outside of Philadelphia, and because of uh, the most amazing uh, direct mail piece I ever got from Henry DeVries about, what was that, Henry, about 10 years ago? Sounds right. About uh, Henry sent me a letter and said, it's time to have your book written, and so I wrote this uh, book, but really it was a conversation with Henry that allowed it to happen. It's the, the shortcuts that we can use to get to yes faster and, and a toolkit I put together called the One Page Sales Coach. And because of Henry and, and Mark, I've been able to meet just some incredible authors. I had a chance to interact with uh, Ken Blanchard at, at one of the most recent events. And I think between Ken and I, we've sold I think it's 25 million and 50,000 books. I've yes, 50,000 between the two of you. Council, yeah. 25 million. And uh, the biggest thing that I would share is, is uh, interacting with folks like this. And, and Ken made the point of it. So 60 books. And how many has he written by himself, Henry?
0: One. It was about
1: golf co-authored with 59 other folks and that's what it's all about collaboration and henry and mark thank you for lifting me up and thanks for letting me participate i'm super excited to hear what larry has to say i i I reached out to henry yesterday and this morning because i think it's incumbent upon all of us if we can to help the next generation of people get to where we've gotten faster and it's part of my goal in life to be able to contribute and i'd like to hear you know, how, how Larry, in his way, uh, was interacting with colleges. Great.
0: Dean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, um, Mark and then Laura. Mark, welcome. Th- thank you, Henry. Uh, my name is Mark LeBlanc. I'm out of uh, Edina, Minnesota, a suburb of the Twin Cities. And I've written several books, but the book that I'm currently working on is titled, Bringing in the Business designed especially for professional services firms, uh, professionals who don't want to sound like salespeople. Very excited about this book. I think it's gonna be a game changer. Mark, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Laura, do you wanna say hello? Sure, thank you, Henry. I'm happy to be here and welcome Larry, who I haven't seen in probably years at this point. Hi, Larry. Um, actually, my book is called The Blue Circles. I think maybe I'm, I'm blurring my background, so there it is. There you go. <laughs> and this, my book had never have been written without the, um, not just aid and assistance, but the creativity that Henry you brought to work with me, and 10 years of my work finally was able to be published, and I greatly appreciate that. I am looking forward to hearing what Larry
1: has to say and um, joining you for um, the next half hour or so. Well,
0: thanks. thanks. You me. introduced us to Larry. We're uh, very appreciative of that, and also uh, then we wound up uh, doing a book with Tony Alessandra, who uh, you're of course connected to, and I've been connected to for years. So, um, um, you know, I, I want to refer more people to your book because. We talk about business development and I talk about certain areas, certainly about getting published and speaking. Yours is the best book I've ever read on that other piece about the relationships and how you cultivate relationships and they don't just happen and you have to nurture them. Uh, just some excellent stuff there. We need, to, we need to get more eyeballs on that book of yours, Laura.
2: Well, thank you, Henry.
0: You're welcome. And um, uh, Dr. Steve, you're working on a book. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: I am working on a book. I'm Steve Swadeley. I'm in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And uh, the working title of my book is Optimal Team Performance. And the subtitle is The Power of Neuropsychology to Supercharge Your Leadership. And I have um, what Henry calls... The sloppy first copy of one chapter ready to go over to him for review. So I'm excited.
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Thanks, Dr. Steve, for being with us today. And I'm Henry DeVries, I'm the CEO of Indie Books International, uh, Oceanside, California. And the recent book I did with Mark LeBlanc and also with Scott Love is Rainmaker Confidential. I'm excited to announce. I'm going on a 16 city speaking tour for this book and the concepts are doing workshops, uh, coming to a city near you. So that's going on. Well, let's talk about that college market. Uh, Let's talk about universities and tying in with universities. So our guest today is Larry Haas. Uh, Larry is uh, one of our authors and I want him to tell you about his book and about his company. I think that's a good setup, Larry, for the introduction.
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you, Henry. I appreciate that. And it's so good to see uh, Dino, uh, Laura, Mark, Henry. um, Haven't seen a few of you for a while. My book is called SOS to ROI, and it's basically Distress to Success. I've done... Basically, it's it's the compilation of about 12 years of consulting experience in the aerospace and defense industry, primarily, and a lot of success stories, but a lot of SOS moments. And what I mean by an SOS moment is, let's say you're going between one trapeze and the other, and you realize that there's no net. That's an SOS moment. It's pretty scary, but we've all had them. We'll all get through them. I consult through my company, Global Aperture. We've Been around since 2005, and usually we like to hang out with engineers as clients. We, it's kind of like you know, let's let's let the nerds return to glory, and that's what I do. We do a lot of strategy, we do communications, we help leaders become great. Thanks, Andrew. Larry, when I worked with you,
0: I could never say it's not rocket science, Larry, because you are a rocket scientist.
2: So I had to say it's not brain surgery, Larry. Exactly. I'm recovering rocket scientist, but I can't get it all out of me. So there you you've, go. You've,
0: uh, you've had generals and admirals uh, um, want you to explain how the cows got in the cabbage, is one uh, author used to say. He right. was from down south. Um, also talked about round tuits and uh, fixing to do things. So welcome. Let, let's talk about what you're not fixing to do this. You've been doing this. Tell me about why you decided to work with a university market.
2: So this was one of these situations where I was a reluctant university partner. I had a client that hadn't talked to me in three years. And literally, literally a month after I published this book in 2017, I got the phone call phone call that said, "Uh, Larry, do you still do that class that you used to do called Power Presenter for our engineers? Because I've got a bunch of engineers that could use that training, and I've got some year-end money burning a hole in my pocket. Are you open to that? And you know what I did? Of course, there's a two-step process here, Henry. One, you should pause three seconds for dignity, and then two, you say, I'd be delighted. And so we did that and it was great and they even threatened to bring hr in to see if it could go viral across the organization and hr gave us 4.8 out of 5 which isn't dean minuto ratings but it's pretty darn close and so i was excited i had i had a client i had more demand i had a success story and essentially what happened is in january the next year they decided that it's only universities from now on, but they still wanted the class. So they said, can you please partner with a university so we can, we can have a bunch of engineers take the class, but we're going to use corporate funds, not local funds. And I said, I-, I don't know. How do you partner with the university? So that's where I started the journey. Keep us going on the journey. How did you
0: pick a university? How did you put together the program?
2: Well, the program I already had, and it's essentially a six week workshop based course to help engineers who are about to go into leadership to go to the next level and get out of the the engineering techno speak and start to understand things like your audience, how to do a good introduction, how to handle questions and answers, how to architect your presentation. We even do a couple of insanity modules. One, we we literally have them go to extremes in their delivery and we we tell them that they need to be more more excited or less excited. In our final module, we actually distract them on purpose. We literally give them a Chris Rock moment without the slap, without the slap. But literally we teach that stuff. And I think Chris Rock did a great job. So they wanted this class, but There was no way for for them to access or for me to pay for it and so i decided to go to my alma mater one of my alma maters and say hey i've got this class i talked to the executive education folks and they're like um yeah so kind of like office space remember that movie office space milton they're like yeah so we actually already are connected with your your client and we already have like lots of professors that can do what you do and you know if they wanted us to do something like yours we would just build it ourselves and so you and your little class you can go to the basement with your stapler I mean that was kind of the attitude and I I thought to myself okay I get it big institution well established and they didn't need what I had they already had what I what I had so I was thinking maybe I should have had a warmer referral at that time. I thought the alum thing would work, but it didn't. So then I went to college. So I called, it, called them College A. We're going we're to be careful with names here. Um, then I went to College B. And this was interesting. I got that through a warm referral, super warm, and actually, an ex professor at this college, and found out that they were just starting their executive education program out of the College of Business. So the cement was still wet, and we could create any kind of thing that we wanted. And so I went to them and said, hey, I've got this plant. They have a demand. They have money. I have a program. We just need access through the university. What do you think? And they're like, we're in. We're totally in. So that was mid-2018. The contract got signed a year later. It took forever to get this thing signed. And that'll be a theme that comes up. Sometimes these business institutions act a lot more like institutions than they do businesses. (laughs) And that was the case. But we did get it signed. And I would like to tell you we've done 300 classes in the last three and a half years. Most some of them online, many of them in person before COVID. And there's been some success along the way. But I will tell you, Henry, it is not for the faint of heart. Not for the faint of heart a pride
0: swallowing siege at times. <laughs> right. I believe it's, uh, it's a quote of a movie line. Right. Um, they, they say that the arguments in academia are so fierce because so little is at stake <laughs> and people are guarding their territories and all sorts of things goes on. However, if you can get in, uh, you can have success like you've had. Let me ask you a question, uh, Larry. Tell me about your degrees, your undergraduate and graduate degrees.
2: Right. So, so let, yeah, a little bit of rocket scientist. I was one of those where when I was 16, my, my father said, son, you're a smart kid, but I can't afford to send you to college, so figure it out. And I decided that I really like this, this movie Top Gun that just came out or recently, but I'm dating myself. And down the road, about an hour, was this thing called the Air Force Academy. And I decided, hey, cool, maybe I could go to the Air Force Academy. They would pay for my school, I would, I would have to serve my time, and then I'd, I'd be good. And <clears throat> that didn't work out because it's very difficult in the, the congressional district that is adjacent to the Academy to get the nomination because there's about maybe 50,000 other students that wanna get the six nominations available in state. And so, and my my father was not a military person, so I could not get a a, a sponsorship. And so I went the ROTC route and I got a, a little scholarship for that, but they gave me three choices of classes. I could be, or of majors, I could be an electrical engineer, a computer engineer, or an aerospace engineer. And I said, make me a rocket scientist. And, and I went to U- University of Arizona, go Wildcats. And um, that's where we went from there. Since then, after serving my time in the Air Force, my last assignment was at LA Air Force Base. And we worked on satellites and a bunch of things space-related that we can't talk about. I can't even talk about it today. But during that time, I went to the the fully employed MBA program at UCLA and had a great experience there. So a little bit of rocket scientist. And I decided, you know what, let me do a little finance and a little strategy too. And I kind of combine all that in what I do every day. So let me tell
0: you why I bring this up. and It's for everyone who's listening and viewing this, who wants to go into the college, who want to go into the college market. I are a college graduate too, who want to go into the college market. Um, Two of the most intelligent people I have ever worked with do not have a college degree, let alone an advanced degree. And let me tell you, that is gonna hurt you in this market. As one kindly professor explained to me, Henry, we sell PhDs and master's degrees. If you didn't buy one of those, why do we want to work with you? So I was the associate dean for continuing education at the University of California, San Diego. So there, we don't even have to call, we'll call that uh, college UCSD. So at UCSD, when we hired people for our extended studies program, and I had a thousand instructors in our program, I wanted them all to have an advanced degree, a master's degree at least, because that's what we sell. So if you don't have that, you can still do it. You need to partner. One man who I knew um, didn't have an advanced degree but he knew a lot about advertising so he found an advertising professor and they jointly wrote the number one advertising textbook for college undergraduates in America. Sold a lot of books. They made a lot, and those books sell for over $100. So the royalties were great. Um, he, he took me aside after my first book and says, This is a great book. Quit writing them, start writing college textbooks. That's where the money is. Well, I also think that there's a lot of advantages uh, for teaching in extended studies programs um, or guest lecturing. One of my guest lecturers got a million dollar pharma account. He's a digital marketing agency by just being a guest lecturer in my class. um, I landed a million dollar public relations account From one of my students, uh, I also taught. So I was adjunct faculty and I also taught. So I just wanted us to look at the different ways in, know that there are some roadblocks and that uh, you know glacial pace that uh, the academic world moves at. Actually, what is it like the the snail? (laughs) The snail, you know. And uh, the snail riding the turtle going, wee! You know, these are not fast moving organizations. So you have to deal with that. So, what's been, with all that lead up, what's been the biggest challenge for you in working with people and negotiating deals with other universities?
2: Yeah, so I think the the challenge comes on a couple fronts. One is, I, I mentioned I, I reached out to a, another university before. I also had reached out to others as well, just to see if this model could potentially scale or help me with risk reduction, just in case these large organizations, you know, large organizations do things, Henry, that make no sense. I mean, if I'm the, the fly on the elephant and the elephant decides to roll over for some reason, the elephant doesn't feel it, but the fly the fly feels it. And I've been there before. I've had some whales roll over on me and it's it's weird and it's scary and it's no fun. And so, lesson learned, keep even if they're throwing a lot of eggs in your basket, find another basket and figure that out. And so that the challenge has been that there's a there's a culture that may not be as entrepreneurial as you would want. Because if you're partnering, all of a sudden you now have shared responsibilities. So for instance, what's shared for me in this relationship? I do most of the teaching. I do a lot of the client relations. I keep up all the content because it's my content. I own the IP. I'm essentially licensing it to them. And I do a lot of the student follow-up. What they do is they manage the website. Of course, their brand, that's huge. Right. And they access the corporate education funds through these large companies, but they do a little bit of the course management as well. And so that's fine on a good day. But what happens sometimes is there's a standard of quality and responsiveness when something gets tough. How do you handle it? They're in, let's talk, let's look at the calendar mode. And I'm in, let's look at the stopwatch mode. And sometimes it's, there's, there could be potential conflict. And so it's really easy, like there's some some issues with students that I don't need an intern to handle who's an undergrad. I'm going to make that phone call myself. And so having the perception to know that some of those issues are going to come up and when I need to personally handle it, because my reputation's on the line, just as theirs is, but how we operate to protect those reputations may be different. That's the biggest challenge for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I had to tell you, it, my seven years as the assistant dean was just frightening from a business standpoint. Um, it is so anti-business the way they run it. In fact, I, I got pulled in by the dean one day and she said, Henry, um, the fact that you think like a business person all the time, it's not your fault you decided to get an MBA degree instead of a PhD. Um, I had taken their revenues from 22 million to 45 million because, oh, silly me, I think like a business person. Um, So you just have to know that that is not the mindset and they don't measure themselves on the dollars. Um, It's prestige and stature and other stakeholders within the university, how do they view either the business school um, outreach programs for executive education or the extended studies or extension programs that deal with business. Um, So they're the the redheaded stepchild of the university, because their first mission is research and their second Mission is turning out graduate students, PhDs, and master's candidates. That's right. And then, if there's any time or energy left over, we'll educate those undergraduates, those uh, those University of Arizona Wildcats who came in on an ROT scholarship. Uh, yeah, we'll spend some time with them, if we have to. Okay, th- that's just the mindset. So you got to know it. However, with all that being said, in The studies I've done for my books on business development, I interviewed one financial planner and he said most of his business and worth came from teaching night courses at the university because look at the demographics. They're college educated people who want to get ahead. They're ambitious. Either they're self-funding this or they're Employer's funding, and here's a dirty little secret I wanted to share with everybody. The funds that corporations put up, like the funds Larry tapped into, these funds that they put up, I did a study and found that employees only use 20% of those funds, 80% go unspent. And the reason is the dirty little secret A lot of employees don't want to take nights and be ambitious and learn something, even though their employer would gladly pay for it. So it's good news, bad news, hard news, if you will. But the the good news is there's pots of money. Like the 1930s bank robber who was interviewed on why he robbed banks, and he said, duh, it's because that's where they have money. (laughs) So why do you want to do this corporate education? with these stodgy universities that move like glaciers, because that's where the money is. There's a lot of money for training there. And if you can't do it directly, partner with somebody who has a PhD or a master's degree, and you can come in with them. So Larry, what advice do you have uh, that you haven't shared yet for people who want to follow your path and, and look more to this university market?
2: Well, there's a few Henry, I think one is, is it's important to look for fit. I mean, I was looking for a university that quote fogged a mirror that would accept so I could get access to what I really wanted. At the same time, over over the years, what I'm realizing is there's a whole community there. And if the fit is right, then it'll be right on a bunch of different levels. So in addition to having this access to the corporate education funds at some of these whale clients. And by the way, some of these whale clients, the the culture is students are going to spend their own time to keep learning. And other clients, the culture is students are not. They wanna be paid for their time while they're doing training. And I'm like, okay, but this is gonna directly impact your job. Matter of fact, the assignments are gonna directly impact your job. And it befuddles me that they don't take advantage of it as readily. So back to fit. So if the fit is right, then I can be asked to come in and guest lecture, which I have. There was a a billionaire who was doing a class for the summer. I got to come in, do a guest lecture and get a selfie with a billionaire. That was pretty cool. I wouldn't have had that if it wasn't a good fit. They've asked me to be a mentor and a coach. For the executive MBA students, and I have a couple two or three students, and I get to go to a really cool events and hear really good speakers and get to be a part of it. and it's it's a part of the community because I believe in the mission, and there's a lot of good opportunities for me to serve but also get involved. and that's that's kind of the unexpected benefit of having a good fit. That's not that's kind of number one. Yeah, and I, I would yeah. also say, Don't make this your only strategy, (laughs) you know, it needs to be a, think of it as a channel of distribution or a venue at least, but it needs to be part of your portfolio.
0: Talk about the whale, you know, rolling over on you. Right. Uh, Yeah, so when that happens, it does it. Um, I know uh, Dean is on the call and um, Dean was Vistage Speaker of the Year. And Dean shared that advice with me early on that uh, don't make Vistage your only strategy. Um, You know, it's like, you can't tie yourself to just one whale. That's, I interviewed one person like for 20 years, they had one client and then one client gave them, you know, six figures worth of work. And I said, how do you sleep at night? They said, what do you mean? And I said, One phone call could put you out of business. One morning, you could get a phone call and you're out of business. Uh, I probably, that poor guy probably didn't sleep after (laughs) talking to me because it was, oh, yeah, that could happen. Uh, So sorry um, to bring the reality there.
2: Um, Right, though.
0: I've been involved, we've mentioned Ken Blanchard. So I've been involved and been mentored by Ken Blanchard and also been involved with the Covey Leadership Organization. And those, Uh, Stephen Covey came out of University of Utah. Uh, Ken Blanchard came out of Cornell. Um, They made the transition to leave that academic world behind. Um, I I did something when I taught at the university level that Ken Blanchard taught me. And it just drove the other faculty people crazy. on the first night of class, I would hand out the final exam. I said, here's the final exam. And people thought it was a trick that the final exam would be like this or different or something. And I said, it's not a trick. Now, for 10 weeks, I'm going to teach you the answers to the final exam, and then you're going to take it. And people are like blah, blah, blah. You know? Because, like, well, we don't do that. You know, why not? Isn't that the objective? So, you have to be prepared that you're going to be different than those other faculty members and those other people they team you with. Because you're in business, you're interested in business outcomes, uh, they're interested in process and prestige. So, just wanted to share that. Larry, thank you so much for this. Is there anything more you wanna add before uh, we wrap this up?
2: Yeah, I would I would say that um, one of the biggest challenges that comes up when you're partnering is what I'd call brand fog. Because when you're partnering with a university, so it's my material and I'm delivering, but it's in university Colors and logos, and we're going to clients that they have, and I have, so whose brand is it? That's a tough question. And I will say, I don't have the answer yet because part of me would like to have the part of my brand that's there create follow-on projects inside the company with these people I teach. That's dream world. However, with brand fog, they don't, they're seeing both of us. And so they're not sure that that's something that's in my portfolio because we don't advertise it that way. We advertise it as the power presenter workshop program. And so that's a, a strategy I would love to have, but a lot of folks who are receiving the class think of it as a university thing. And so that's a nut, I, I have to still try to crack Mm-hmm. But it's a challenge, and I hope it makes sense to the audience. And so there's this benefit of this joint partnership, but then you're locked together. Whose clients are they, and who do they see as the brand? And that's somewhat of a challenge. So well, I'd like to bring talk that up about as a
0: yeah, it's a challenge. I want to talk about it for a second because I have a view.
2: Yeah,
0: oh, I have opinions. <laughs> For your brand, I believe what you're doing is you're associating with a bigger brand and you're getting the benefits of the association. So, for instance, in in my world, when I looked at business development experts for consultants and professionals, all the lines kept coming back to one place. All roads led to one place, Cambridge, Massachusetts, the Harvard Business School. So they had a program for the leading professional service firms in the world, the the biggest global professional service firms in the world, a week at the Harvard Business School. I was a solo practitioner. I got into Harvard through the back door. My entrance exam began, based on your entrance criteria, you should not admit me to the Harvard Business School. I'd like you to make a new decision based on the following information. And I told them that I would be a missionary for what they taught uh, because everybody who needed what they taught could not attend Harvard. And I would write about it, I would put it in books, I would speak about it, I'd be their advocate. I heard nothing from them, nothing. And then finally, one day I get a call from the Dean's office that says, Mr. DeVries, we're confused. And I said, what are you confused about? They said, well, based on the passion of your entrance essay, we don't know why you didn't accept our offer to be admitted. I never got the letter. I, the post office is proud of the fact that they only lose 2% of the mail. So I said, I never got this letter. And they said, well, no problem. That's why we called. Um, the course starts next week. Just send us the cashier's check for $9,000. And we'll see you next week. Well, I didn't have $9,000. I, I, I thought, okay, borrow it. No, i am maxed out. Running this business. Oh, um, second mortgage already took one of those. A uh, life insurance policy already borrowed against that. Family, huh? Not, nobody there has nine thousand dollars. And then I thought, client, I, I could get it from a client. I called up a client who was now owner of a new company and was doing things. It was a pest control company, and I called him up and I said, "Hey, great to talk to you again." Mark would call this a storm starter call. Um, sector four, former client. And I said, how's this pest control company doing? And he goes, well, we're 48th in the market. I said, out of how many? He goes 50. And I said, great. Um, I can double your revenues in a year. He says, well, we're a million dollars. I said, it'll be over 2 million in a year. He goes, <clears throat> How much would you charge me to do that? I said, $9,000, I need a check right away and I'll start when I get back, um, I'm going to the Harvard Business School next week. And the guy drove the check over and I made him $2 million. And that's how I got into Harvard from the back door. Why? Because Harvard Business School, Harvard Business School is on all my materials and my bios and it's, it's in what I'm doing. And um, the Dean there once said, I've got, <laughs> I put red brick dust all over my shoes. So that's the same reason we get involved with universities. It's not our only strategy. Like you said, it's not our only revenue stream, but there's a lot of prestige that comes in on the brand. And, and we're in Southern California, but um, you know, uh, we've known people who've tied in with Wharton, uh, Northwestern, uh, not only the Ivy League, but in California, different different uh, schools there, the uni- UCLA, I've done work with them and uh, the UC system, but there's also great private schools, USC, uh, Pepperdine, uh, the Claremont Colleges, there's all these things you can do. Um, I was invited once to speak at the uh, Columbia University in New York. And I called my father up and I said, dad, I'm gonna be speaking at Columbia. And my, my dad didn't finish high school. He was a Dutch dairy farmer, but he said, Columbia. You mean the real one? And I said, no, the Columbia Record Club. Yes, the real Columbia University. So uh, did I make money from that? I don't know, but it's nice to name drop that you spoke at Columbia. My other authors talk about they spoke at Berkeley or Harvard. So you want to associate with the brand. That's one of the reasons. Now, a question came in, and uh, you can, if you have something to say, or I'll field it too, about what about continuing education credits? Many professions require that people continue their education and get continuing education credits. Have you been involved in that at all?
2: Yes, absolutely. So when we were part of formulating this program, I was literally the first offering that this executive education program had. And there was a bunch of questions that the the, the whale client was asking about the program. And there's, there's a, a third party that manages a lot of these relationships between the, the clients and the universities or the colleges. And they have this whole checklist and they're asking, do you have, how many CEUs is this? Is this part of a certificate program? Is this part of a graduate level program or undergraduate graduate level program? And the team, the dean and I had to decide, well, what do we think? What's the standard? We don't know. And so for this particular course, it's 12 hours, 12 and a half hours of instruction. And I think we're at three CEUs. And I think that for some of the organizations, they have to have some CEU criteria To get into and have access to those corporate education funds. You can't just go anywhere. You need to have some provable job-related aspect where where there's some credit involved. And so that's what we decided. And it was was something that was not a natural act to figure out, but we did some, some benchmarking and realized that was kind of in the range I've heard a little bit higher for that example, I've heard a little bit lower for that example, but I'm glad we have it because it is an added perk. You actually get some stuff from it, not just the the learning. That's my experience.
0: Oh, it's it's very important. If I was somebody like um, Dean and uh, he's in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, the first place I would look into is the University of Pennsylvania. And the Wharton School, they have executive education, but they also have a continuing education department. And um, they will actually certify courses for a fee for continuing education credit. And their forms, we did this at the University of California all the time. And we would, you know, they would make them pass certain requirements. But then we would give them CE credit from the University of California. Um, That was golden. Now, that is not graduate level credit from the University of California. You can't apply it toward a master's or PhD, it's not undergraduate credit. It's this mysterious third thing. Uh, In Hollywood, they talk about uh, uh, monkey points on films, which is monkey points are like, oh, you'll get a percentage of the net. (laughs) There is no net um, on a movie. Any accountant that lets a movie show a profit is fired. Uh, So it's the same thing. You know, they're not going to let you have their most precious thing that they offer, which is university credits, which they sell. Now let's say Wharton turns you down. There's always the University of Phoenix. Um, these, uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, National University. Um, these, these colleges, private universities, um, there's one out of St. Louis called Webster, Webster University. Um, it's a legit university in St. Louis, but they're very aggressive in doing continuing education programs around the country. Forbes has even formed an alliance with, I, I don't think it's uh, U of uh, A, I think it's um, ASU and Forbes has sponsored a school there. Um, so there, there are a lot of ways to play the game. Um, I also wanted to throw something in. Uh, it's my soapbox today too, Larry, along with you. So. Um, Thanks for allowing me to talk on this topic, but um, a lot of you are thinking about you should take your work, your um, way of doing business, and train other people in it and certify them or credit them. I've been studying this. uh, One program I know, um, they have 600 consultants that they have certified, and these people have paid them you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for the certification. And then every time they use their materials, they pay a royalty fee. Um, Well, a great place to have the training is to rent facilities at a university. So our accreditation training program will be at the University of California, Berkeley. Well, you just rented some space out. You didn't say that they sponsored it or anything. If you wanted to, I was just saying, you could do that extra step and pay the little extra money and have them give you CE credits for your certification. So again, why brand creep, what brand fog? For me, it's uh, different ways to get some blessing to your brand, some association. And I know at the University of California, San Diego, um, that was part of our business is renting out facilities and other things. And you know, if you wanna hire uh, one of our professors as a guest lecturer or something, you can do that too. So there's different ways to build the relationship that don't send the BS meter off. I'm not talking about shyster. Uh, I'm talking about legitimate ways that you can partner with universities to enhance your brand, okay. Thank you, Larry, so much. Thanks for those attending today. I think this is an important topic and I'm really glad that we covered it. And Larry, any closing
2: thought? I I will just say in the end, a lot of us had a COVID SOS moment. Um, We had to go online with this program instead of in person. And it's been a huge hit. In one particular class we had, (laughs) Students from the US, Korea, China, and Australia on the same phone call, the same class. So sometimes SOS moments create goodness, even in the university setting. Well. My final thought.
0: No, that's a great thought. I know a lot of people who are consultants who made more money because of COVID and going online than they did when they were live and running around and chasing chasing the dollar. So thanks for that. That was a great closing thought. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and look forward to seeing you on another episode of Marketing with a Book podcast. Thanks everybody.